You're going to think, well, this guy's a little bit simple, and you're right. But for the longest time, I've been thinking that, you know, I was back there praying earlier, and I just prayed, Lord, please just do this because I can't. He said, Jason, I know you're not really all that bright. He said, anything that happens, uh, you can know it's me helping you out because you ain't really all that bright. But uh, what you're going to think is really crazy and really silly and kind of stupid, just, I've been thinking I should come and practice this move. Doesn't really seem like all that much, does it? But I sit back there and watch John do it, and you know, John's kind of graceful for a big fella. Me, you can ask my mother-in-law, I'm about as graceful as an old brick, but uh, I watch him do that, and I think, man, I'd sure like to come down off of there when I'm preaching and, and walk around a little bit, and I said, I might get that cord tangled up. And I thought, I better go practice that move, so this is it. Now, I never made it up here early, so I'm practicing. Y'all bear with me. I know he does something like this. Now look, why are y'all laughing at me? I, I told you that was going to happen, praise God. Let's do it again just to be sure we got it. It's not really all that much, brother. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful to the Lord that I'm here doing this again. And... um. I get kind of fast talking up here. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier, and they said, if you'll just slow down talking. So I'm going to try to slow down. I'm going to try to slow down my movements. And uh, I was talking to a very dear friend not too long ago, and I was pretty happy about the last time I preached. And I said, y'all ain't going to believe it. I got my sermon down to 35 minutes. They said, you get it down to 20 minutes, and then call me. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I tell you what, hopefully I've got 20 minutes tonight. John said you can tell when somebody's unprepared because there will be a whole lot of uh, um and uh, amen. And so we'll have a lot of that, and hopefully I'll be able to get to 20 minutes because I've been working a lot lately, and so I might be a little unprepared. Let me get my notes ready. I appreciate you all being here. Praise God. Before we get started, because like I said... I'll probably breeze through this pretty quick, but before we get going, I want a few of y'all to help me out. I I want some people to participate. If you will participate, think in your mind right now. Everybody do this. You don't have to. Nobody's going to call you out on this one. But think in your mind right now. Think of a state other than Texas, whatever just came to your mind. Think of a country other than the U.S., whatever just came to your mind. Think of a continent other than North America. Who here has a state other than Texas, a country other than U.S., or a continent other than North America? Raise your hand. What came to your mind? What, Bob? Michigan. Michigan, Thank you. Hang on to that. Anybody else? Raise your hand. What do you got? First thing that came to your mind? Louisiana. Mississippi. Deborah? Colorado. Colorado. Tennessee, I hear a lot of states. Does anybody have a country other than U.S.? Came to your mind. Switzerland. Pam. Israel. Anybody else? A country. Germany. Linda. She stole your country. 
That is horrible. Praise God. Listen, hey. Everybody in this place, when you're asked to think of a country or a state, something came to your mind. Whether you raised your hand or not, there's a country out there. There's, I don't even know how many countries in the world, obscure countries, Tanzania, Rwanda, of course, I'm going to come up with East African countries, right? Uganda, Sudan, the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. But there's countries out there that you can think of. At the end of this, I'm going to bring this back up. I want you to, whatever came to your mind first, whatever state, whatever country, whatever continent, Cuba, South America, China, whatever came to your mind, we're going to talk about that at the end of this. Amen? It's going to be a lot of fun for me. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, I'm already having trouble with this wire, John. Hallelujah. Faith, saved through faith. Saving faith is real faith. Tonight I want to talk to you just a minute about real faith and do you have Real faith. Listen, I got a wonderful helper. He, he's a great worker. Y'all know Josh Cobb? Give it up for Josh. Hallelujah. He's, amen. Josh is a good worker and he's a good helper. And I'll tell you what, when Josh says he's going to be at your house at 630 in the morning, you better be dressed and ready because that old boy, I got, I got faith in him. He's going to be there at 630. I can trust him. He's proven it to me. But that's not the kind of faith that we're talking about. That's not saving faith. Saving faith is real faith. So let's look tonight at what the Bible says about faith, real faith. And let's really look at ourselves and see, do we have real faith? Look at Mark 9, verses 22 through 24. This man had a son that was possessed with a demon, and he had come to Jesus and was pleading his case to him. He said, and oft times it had cast him into the fire. And into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, if you can do anything, Jesus, please have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Straightway the father of the child cried out, and he said with tears, Lord, I believe. Watch what he said now. Help my unbelief. Real faith will bring a conviction of your shortcomings. Real faith will bring a confession of your doubts. Amen? If you have real faith, it says, I'm not perfect. You know, I think I'm a pretty good guy. And compared to some of y'all, maybe I, I look all right. Amen? But compared to the Word of God, I'm a scoundrel. Compared to God, I, I'm worthless. Amen? Real faith says otherwise. I'm not a good person. Look at Romans 3, 10 through 12. It says this, As it is written, Paul's quoting Old Testament Scripture, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understands. There's none that seeks after God. Well, that's a slap in the mouth. All y'all faith people, all y'all big prayer warriors, amen. I spend some time on my face too, but the Bible says, guess what? If I have real faith, I'm going to admit that I fall in this. There's none that seeks after God, not like we should. There's none of us that pray like we should. There's none of us that have faith like we should. If we have real faith, 
we're going to have that confession. If we have real faith, we're going to have that understanding that we don't have perfection. They're all gone out of the way, says verse 12. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. The Bible says the best that you have to offer stinks like filthy rags in the nostrils of God. At my very best, no matter how much I, I primp, no matter how nice my pants are, no matter what clean shirt I put on, at least for the time being, my wife will tell you this shirt will last through three wearings and I'll have paint on it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I can get just a little bit out of a shirt. Hallelujah. But for now, it's clean. Amen. Hopefully, it even smells good. But uh, praise God, in Luke chapter 17, I've got verse 5 coming up. But before that, Jesus was talking in the, in the first part of Luke 17. He's talking about how offenses are sure to come. It can't be helped. He said there will be offenses come. You will be offended. You will be ridiculed. You will be spit upon. He said if they despise me, they're going to despise you. In Luke 17, he said it is impossible but that offenses come. And then he goes on to talk about how if your brother sins against you, you too forgive him. And if he comes to you and sins against you seven times in a day and asks forgiveness, you to forgive him. After he's talking about these things, the apostles, even the, these great men of God that had been walking with Jesus for so long, and they had seen him do all these wonderful things, and they looked at him after he had talked about how offenses would come and how they would have to stand up. When he talked about how his brother would let him down and he would have to forgive him, they said to him, guess what they said? Lord, increase our faith. These great men of faith that had seen the miracles that Jesus performed right in front of them, these men said to him, increase our faith. Don't you think... Real faith, if we have it, is going to say, I need more faith. Listen, when you got saved, God gave you the gift of salvation through faith, He said, but it's a gift of God, not of yourselves. We saw that in Ephesians 2. That very faith that you had to get saved wasn't yours. God gave it to you. Amen. Saving faith says that I need God to do it. Every one of us got saved by confessing that we were lost sinners. Every one of us got saved. If we have real faith, we have real salvation because we said at some point, Lord, I need you. I cannot do it. I can't come back to you myself. I'm lost and doomed for hell. Lord God, I'm not perfect, but you are. You can forgive me. And real faith is what he gave you for salvation. Real faith is needed, according to Luke 17. Increased real faith is needed to stand under the offenses to come. And not only that, but I can't forgive you if you do me wrong without real faith. Without real faith, all I can give you is lip service and make you feel good about yourself. If I do you wrong and you don't have the real faith to forgive me, all you can do is give me a pat on the back say, It's okay, Jason, and let me feel good. Just because you're nice enough to not hurt my feelings. But real forgiveness has to come from real faith. Without it, forgiveness doesn't work. But Jesus, see, he wasn't even talking about faith when they asked him for that. When they said, increase my faith, he was talking about random other stuff, just trying to teach these guys. They said, increase my faith. But listen, in the presence of Jesus Christ, confession is drawn out of you. You can't hold it back. When you're looking into the eyes of salvation, when you're looking into the eyes of eternity, the eyes of the very Creator, when you're looking at Jesus Christ and you're in the presence of the Holy One, listen, confession is coming. 
You're, you're going to spill it all, praise God. They said to him, Lord, here in your presence, I know I need help. That's where salvation comes from. Real faith in the presence of God has confession drawn out of you. And your imperfections come spilling out. Your imperfections are made known to Him. Because, listen, there's nothing that can be hidden from Him to, with whom we have to do, as Hebrews says. Amen? Praise God. Mom's getting tired, so my microphone's slipping down here. Praise God. Remember, Jesus said, No one can come to me except my Father who sent me draws them. Real faith draws out of you a confession of your inadequacies. Look at John 9, verse 35 through 38 says this. Jesus had healed a man and had sent him on his way. When the Pharisees had found this guy, they began to question him. Who is it, they said, that has healed you? And he said, I don't know. And they kept giving him a hard time about it. Who was it? Who did this? And he said, I don't know. Look, all I know is I was blind and now I can see. Amen. Well, after they had cast him out, the word says here in John 9, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, you know, Jesus came looking for the one that had been cast out. You ever been cast out? You ever been pushed down, pushed aside, let go? Have you ever been made to feel worthless? Jesus came looking for you, didn't he? Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus came looking for the one that was cast out. When he found him, he said, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Real faith comes when you meet the real Savior. Real faith comes when He finds you and it leads to real worship. Amen. Real faith, listen, if you can just sit there and you don't worship Him, how can you say you have real faith? If you can be in the presence of God Almighty, the very creator of the universe, and you don't feel a sense of awe, you don't feel a desire just to throw everything at His feet and worship Him with everything that you have, come on, that is not real faith because real faith comes when you meet the Savior of the universe and you really, really worship Him. Amen. True faith, saving faith, brings true, real worship. Amen? Amen. Matthew 28, 17 says this. When Jesus had come back, he had been dead. Three days later, he had resurrected. He had gone to this place where he told his disciples to wait. And it said when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. What does that tell you? Two different things happen here. Some of them are worshipping him. Some of them are not worshipping. Which ones worshipped? Those with real faith. Those that believed what they were looking at. This is the Son of God. This man that's standing before me is Jesus Christ resurrected. The one that had died. I've been mourning for three days though he told me he would come back. Now here he is in front of me. I believe and I know that it's him. True worship happened because real faith was taking place. It said, but some doubted. Those didn't worship. Listen, if you stand in front of me, uh, you can put on the robe if you want to. You can even wear a crown of thorns. You tell me you're Jesus Christ, I'm not worshiping you. I don't believe it. Amen. I don't believe it. But real faith comes when I see him. It's really him. He's standing before me. I promise you, real faith is going to get me on my face. Real faith is going to bring about real worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Um... That was for you. 
John 11, 25 through 27. Jesus had come. Lazarus had been dead four days now. Uh, when he heard Lazarus was, was sick and dying, he waited before he went because he wanted to really show the glory of God to these people. And uh, so here he shows up now. The man's been dead four days. He's, he's already in the tomb. They've already got him covered up in the grave clothes. They've already got the stone over the door. And he shows up and the sister's there and she's, Oh, Lord, if only, if only. You ever been like that? God, if you'd have done this, I wouldn't be in this mess. Come on, you're in the mess you're in because of the choices you made, amen? If only you'd have trusted him, you might not be there, amen? This ain't up there, but real faith brings about caution. Hallelujah. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked her. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. What did he tell her? He said, Anyone that believes, anyone with real faith, saving faith, has eternal life. That's what he told her. He said, Do you believe this? I ask you, Do you believe this? Real faith, does it bring about eternal life? Does real salvation give you eternity? Amen? Of course it does. Real faith... Brings eternal life. This is why I, why I say that. Do you have that assurance? My friend Josh and I were in the parking lot at Walmart. We had to go and get some gas. Praise God. I, I Definitely a praise the Lord. I don't even, can't even imagine why I forgot this when it came praise and worship time and somebody asked, do you have something to praise the Lord about? Hallelujah, I do. Josh and I stopped for gas. Here comes this kid and he says to us, Sir, I, I don't want any money, but I'm hungry. And, and hey, he looked it. He looked hungry, and I got a little bit to spare. So I, I got out, and I got in my lunch kit, and out of the two sandwiches that I had, I gave him one. And out of the, the tangerines, nectarines, whatever it was, one of those reens I had in there, I gave him a couple of those, and uh, uh, Josh got out. Josh had two sandwiches too. You know, when that old boy left, he had two sandwiches. Amen. Josh and I didn't go hungry, praise God. As, uh, after we gave it to him, he walked away eating a sandwich. He didn't waste time. He wasn't money grubbing. This kid was, was starving. As he walked away, he was eating a sandwich, praise God. And uh, Josh and I got into the truck and I looked at Josh as we were pulling out and I said, Good night, Josh. What have I done? What have I done? I should have prayed with that man. He was walking back across the street towards us. I pulled over and I stopped to talk to him. And of course, I, I didn't hesitate, but I asked him, Do you know Jesus Christ? If you died, would you go to heaven? He didn't know. He didn't have that assurance. Real faith brings eternal life. Real faith knows that I have eternal life. Real faith knows that I'm saved. Amen. Listen to me. In John 6 and 40, it says this. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. You and I, we have salvation, but do you know that you know that you know that when you died here, if you died tonight, would you spend eternity in heaven or would you spend eternity in a place called hell? 
surrounded by death and darkness and loneliness and screams of agony. He didn't know. Praise God, we prayed with him. He accepted Jesus into his life. Hallelujah. And he can have that salvation. He can have that assurance. If you have real faith, you know that you're saved. If you have real faith, you know that you have eternal life. Amen. I like how Job put it. Job 19, 25 through 27. I love this. Job, one of the oldest stories in the Bible. Job was around a long, long time ago. Amen. And he knew something way back then. He said, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Amen. You know Jesus is coming back one day. The Bible says he's going to stand on the earth. He's going to set his foot on that great mountain that's going to split from east to west. Hallelujah. says that the saints of God are going to come with him. It says that the, the uh, valley of Megiddo is going to be filled to a horse's bridle with the blood of God's enemies. Amen. Job knew that one day Jesus is coming back. And he said, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. It doesn't matter what happens to you here. Listen, you could be burned alive, but all of that ash, God knows where it's at. Doesn't matter about the north wind, the east wind comes and blows it in every different direction. God knows where every particle of this body is. And one day, Jesus Christ is going to speak through eternity and he's going to say, come home to me and we're going to come together. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And I'll tell you what, right now, you can be burned alive here. You can be torn apart by four, four horses. It doesn't matter what they do to you. This body is going to be glorified. This body is going to be healed. Hallelujah. Job knew it way back in the day. And he said, it doesn't matter what the skin worms do to destroy this body. Yet in my flesh, I shall see God whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Job. One of the oldest stories the Bible has to offer. One of the earliest things that there is to be recorded in all of history, in all of Scripture, this man Job had vision. Because real faith has vision. Real faith can see what's going to happen because God has given that vision to you. Real faith says that if you will read the Scriptures, you can know what's in store for you. If you'll read the Scriptures with real faith and believe it, you can get a great picture of what eternity is going to be like. Hallelujah. The Bible says that one day we're going to be there with the golden crowns that we receive as treasures and rewards. Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming and my reward is with me. Amen. And He's going to give to us these crowns and in true worship, through real faith, we're going to cast them at His feet. Hallelujah. For all of eternity. And I tell you what, I hope I don't run out too early. Because eternity is going to be a long time, and I just want a bunch of chunking crowns. Amen? I want a bunch of chunking crowns. Hallelujah. Real faith has vision. I like how David put it. Psalm 17 and verse 15. David said this. Amen. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I love this part. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Amen. Listen, Paul, Paul said something that all of us need to get. Paul said, I've learned how to be content. 
whether I'm hungry, whether I'm full, whether I'm poor, whether I'm rich, whether I'm clothed or whether I'm naked, whether I'm beaten or whether I'm hugged. Paul said, I'm content. But listen, one day the Bible says I'm going to be satisfied. Right now, I'm content. I'm happy with the house I live in. I'm happy with the clothes that I wear. I'm happy with the job that I have, the truck that I have. I'm happy with my wife. I'm happy with my son. One day, I'm going to be satisfied. When I'm on my face before Jesus Christ, the one who made me, the one that loved me enough to give his life and save me, when I'm there right in front of him on the floor casting crowns, I'm going to be satisfied. Far more than content. Far more than happy. Hallelujah. I'm going to be satisfied. John likes to put this mental picture in your mind. I'm going to go for it. When you eat that big meal and you're sitting up there like Al Bundy and you got to unbutton your pants and you're sitting there just as, as satisfied as can be. That one's for John too. Praise God. One day I'm going to be satisfied. Look at Revelation 7, 16 and 17. It says this. He jumped the gun on me, praise God. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Praise God. Real faith is satisfied. Real faith is going to bring satisfaction to you one day. Amen. You say, preacher, listen, that's for later. He said, that's looking at heaven. That's looking at eternity. You're right, it is. But look, let's look at something. Psalm 65 and verse 4. Psalm 65 verse 4 said, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, Lord, and cause him to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Listen, you don't have to wait for heaven for satisfaction. You don't have to wait for eternity to have that satisfaction, that satisfied feeling. You can have more than just content. Paul was content, but you can have more than that. He said, if you'll come to the house of God, you can find satisfaction. He said, if you'll come to the house of God and worship with true believers, if you'll come and worship with real faith, amen, you can be satisfied. Right here, right now. If you want to sit at the house, you can eat all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you want. I promise you I like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You don't have to look at me twice to know that I can get down some peanut butter. But listen, if you'll come to God's house, you'll be satisfied. He's not going to leave you hungry, amen. If you'll come to eat, listen, look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. It said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Listen, if you'll just come to God's house, not because it's the thing to do, not because you want to show off your new car or your new pants, not because you want to make a showing, not because your wife drug you up here. If you'll come to church looking for Jesus Christ, expecting to have a meeting with God, expecting a move of the Holy Spirit, if you'll come hungry for righteousness, thirsty for the will of God, thirsty for the ways of God, if you'll come with that attitude, You'll be satisfied. God won't leave you here hungry. If you'll come hungry. Now, if you come up here just after your afternoon snack and think, what am I going to have for supper when the preacher finally shuts up and I get out of here? That's not the kind of hungry that we're talking about. Amen. (laughs) Listen, if you're looking at your watch going, I got to get out of here so I can be satisfied, you're not going to. You can fill up on Fritos all you want to. You won't ever be satisfied. I'm talking about something that you get right here. 
I'm talking about when you come hungry for Him. And you get filled. You get filled. Amen. A couple more things. Praise God. Checking, checking my watch. Okay, we're good. I still got 45 minutes. How am I going to get through seven pages in 45 minutes? I don't know. Just bear with me. But come, come hungry, leave happy. Isn't that a restaurant slogan? Come hungry, but here it's true. If you come hungry, you will leave happy. If you ever leave, some of you folks won't leave here. My goodness. I get up from praying and everybody's here. They don't want to leave. Praise God. I, that's one of the things I love most about this place. I don't even have to hurry to be the first one out of here. You guys won't ever go anywhere. Praise God. I love it. Acts 8, verses 36 and 37 say this. As they went on their way, they come to an uncertain water. Listen, here's this guy, Philip. He's a deacon of the church in Jerusalem. Now here he is wandering down the road, and, and the Lord said to him, Look at that eunuch over there. Overtake him. Uh, he shows up where the eunuch's at. Philip sees it. He's studying the book of Isaiah. And he says to him, do you know what you're reading? Y'all remember this story, right? Work with me. And he said, how can I know unless someone explains it to me? You remember that scripture Paul talked about? How can they get saved unless they hear, the hear about the kingdom? How can they hear unless there's a preacher? How can they preach unless they're sent? You remember that? Philip is sent to this eunuch. Here he is reading Isaiah. And Philip says, do you understand? He said, I don't show it to me. Philip showed it to him through the scriptures how Jesus Christ had come. God in the flesh. How he lived a sinless life. How he was beaten and spit on. Had his beard jerked out. How he had the crown of thorns. He showed him in the scriptures how Jesus would go to the cross. How he would give his life. He showed this eunuch that and real faith happened. Real faith. And he says, as they went, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. If you believe. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Real faith inspires action. This man heard the gospel and he couldn't wait to do something to show the world that Jesus is the king. He saw, he saw the truth in God's word and he couldn't wait. He was inspired to action. He must be baptized. I absolutely have to. There's a little bit of water. Can you shove me down in that mud hole right there? Anything to get me done, to get me baptized. Because real faith inspires action. How can we sit here, we come week after week, we listen to some fancy dressed preacher speak some nice happy words to make us feel good about our life and, and how we can better ourselves. You ever notice how church does that? Helps you better yourself. How can I live a better life? How can I be a better Christian? How can I walk a better walk? But listen, real faith should inspire you to action. Not just to hear some fancy talk. I have the great privilege of getting in the water with a dear friend of mine this evening. The great privilege, because real faith has inspired him to action. This is my prayer for United Christian Fellowship, and then I'll be done. i got to say this early. I'm going to close with this. 
This is my prayer for UCF. We need a world vision. We need a world ministry. United Christian Fellowship is not a Port Natchez church. United Christian Fellowship is not a Southeast Texas church. It's not a Texas church. It's not a United States church. We need a world vision. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. While he's going there, I want to tell you about something that happened. I haven't told Margie about this yet. I, I had a dream the other night. I haven't shared it with her. It, it was a horrible, horrible dream. I, there was a friend of mine, someone very close to me, a very dear friend, and he had fallen quite a ways. I, I, you know how dreams are. I don't know if it was a job site. I don't know what had happened exactly, but he had fallen. We were somewhere up high. This man had fallen. He, he had fallen quite a distance. There he was. I, I must have known that he was dead. Because you know how dreams work in my dream. The next thing, I'm sitting in a lawn chair down on the the ground level. He's right over there lying on the ground. The surface he fell from about 30 feet up above us. And there I am in a lawn chair. I'm sipping tea. Sipping a nice refreshing beverage. Enjoying my good life, my good Christian life, just enjoying myself. Here he is, 10 feet away from me, dead. Someone that I'm supposed to love, yet I'm sipping a cold beverage. Next thing you know, like I said, you know how dreams go. I don't know what had happened. Next thing you know, I'm coming down from that up surface and I'm walking this way. As I walk towards him, I can see that in his mangled state... Twisted and broken, his eyes are open. People die with their eyes open all the time. What is that to me? But as I'm walking closer to him, I notice that he's tracking me. He's not dead. But he's fallen and broken. And the whole time I sat there sipping tea, he saw me. He watched me. This one that I love, this one that I should care for, he saw me the whole time. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to think about that dream. I shared it with my brother, John. I shared it with my sister, Marie, and they helped me understand it. Because, listen, the world is broken. The world is full of fallen, broken, broken people. And we sit back in our luxuries and we sit back and enjoy our lives and our sweet cold beverage while they're dying left and right spending eternity in hell, but what are we doing? Because if you take a second look, they're watching you. They are watching the church, just waiting for someone to come and tell them they'll be okay, just for someone to make that call. When I finally picked up my phone and dialed 911, they came, and he was fine. He wasn't dead. In a few hours, he was up walking around. There's salvation in the world for these people. There's healing and deliverance for these people. The fallen and the broken, they're watching you for you to do something. And all we do is sit there and drink tea. We're supposed to love those people.
we're supposed to give our everything so that no one spends eternity separated from God. You're not going to reach them all. But are you reaching any? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. UCF, we need a world mentality. We need a world ministry. We're not a Port Natchez church, not anymore. They're not just dying here. They're dying everywhere. Look at uh, Luke. Before you go there. We, we can't all go to all nations. We can't all jump on a jet and go to Uganda. I, I have the privilege of doing that sometimes. I, I have the great privilege. I'm so blessed to be able to go and to do these things. I, I'm so blessed. That one, day, one day I went with Brother Dave down to Belize. What a blessing for me. That was a, a great blessing for me. I grew leaps and bounds in my Christian walk just to see and meet those people and pray with them and preach to them. Listen, what a blessing it is for me. But we don't all get to do that. But this is a world ministry. Go to Luke 9, verse 62. Long before he sent them out by twos, long before he gave them the great commission, he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Watch this, he gave you a job right here. He gave you a job that you can do right here. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Earlier, I asked you to think of a country or a state or a continent. A lot of answers, a lot of names popped up. Whatever came into your mind first, whatever country, whatever state, this is your state, this is your country, this is your job. When you pray, because I know all of you are prayer warriors. I know all of you pray every day. I, I, I know I'd like to believe that every one of you gets on your face every morning, noon, and night. I'd really like to believe that every one of you is a strong prayer, like I wish I was. When you do pray, pray for that state that you thought of. That God would send someone there. Pray for that country that you thought of, Ryan. Zimbabwe, wherever it is. Pray for that place that God would send someone there. Because if he can't send you, you can pray that he would send someone. Jesus said, that's our job. Pray that he would send laborers into the harvest. And in that way, United Christian Fellowship is a world mission, is a world ministry. I sure love y'all, and I appreciate you. I hope next time I have something exciting to share with you. But praise God, that's it. Now, hallelujah, Bob and I are going to go back and get ready for this baptism. John.